Welcome to One Penny at a Time. I'm your host, Harris Elliott. Welcome to episode number 12 on the podcast. As always, thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day to tune along, join along me during my dividend investing journey. As always, if you like the content I provide, subscribe to the podcast, give me a rating, and share this with a friend. I'd love to hear from new people and join you along with your journey as well. So before I go over my October 2022 portfolio update, I just want to give a quick shout out here. On Friday, I actually joined Ryan Williams and Russ, aka Dapper Dividends, on Ryan's Dividend Happy Hour. It was a really fun stream. It's about like an hour, 10 minutes, I believe. Um, we talked, you know, about what's going on currently in the market, answered some questions, and we had a lot of chat on there. I do have a link in the description below for the YouTube video if you want to watch that replay as well. Uh, Russ promised if he won the Powerball, we're all getting free stock. So Russ, we're going to hold you to that. So let's go ahead and review my portfolio. So right now, the portfolio currently sits at $1,506.35. What's crazy is, is that when I did my September review, the portfolio was down about 7%. And it's crazy what 30 days can do and like a little bit over a month. The portfolio is actually up 3.89%, which was a crazy turnaround compared to where we were in September. Um, the portfolio also does sit right around a 3.65 dividend yield from where we're currently at. And so a couple things about the portfolio I do want to do. Uh, let's quickly go over the dividends I received in October. There, there wasn't too much in October happening on the dividend side of things. I got 40 cents from VOO, which is my, my big uh, ETF for the growth play. Uh, I got six cents from both Realty Income and Stag, my real estate plays. I got 21 cents from Best Buy. I got 10 cents from Main Street Capital. And I also received 53 cents from Jeppy, which is the JP Morgan uh, play that I do where they're selling covered calls and I get income from that, giving me about $1.36 in dividend income. Nothing crazy yet, but you know what? I'm going to take it. I'm happy with that. That all went back into the portfolio. One thing I do need to do some research on is the months of January, April, July, and October for me are very low for the dividend side of things. So whether it's me maybe adding a little bit more money to these plays or whether uh, I can maybe find a new holding once I'm comfortable adding something to the portfolio, something I'll look into. No rush into it now. Also, let's go ahead and before I go over that, um, I did do some buys this week. Um, I bought one share of SCHG. I bought one share of Ally Financial. I put $5 into Waste Management and I put $11 into Starbucks before they announced earnings. So that was actually a pretty good play there. Also, um, for the month of October, I actually made the portfolio one share shorter. I sold out of one position, did not add any new positions. So I sold out a DVY, which was an index fund that I was using, which had about a point. 3A cost for the fund. So it was $3.80 for every $1,000, which would have been the annual fee. So the reason why I invested in DY originally was to get the tobacco exposure into like Philip Morris and Altria. Now, when I talked about also in the last episode where I did my update, um, I tried to make the portfolio smaller to focus on building out positions quicker. And with XLP, which is the one I use to put everything into like uh, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Costco, and Procter & Gamble, they have exposure to Philip Morris and to Altria Group, about each of them about a uh, four and a quarter percent. 
So the expense ratio on that is only 0.10. So I get the exposure there. I don't need double exposure to tobacco. So to me, DDY was expendable and I just cut it off and just added that money to elsewhere in the portfolio. So we're now at 21 holdings. I, I'm liking where we're at so far with that. Um, we'll see how we go down, obviously, in the next couple months. If I add something, if I, if I cut something, we'll see how that goes. So I'm going to give you here some dividend updates as well. Um, I'm using a tracker that is absolutely amazing that calculates what my current dividends are projecting for the year, monthly, weekly, and daily. It's a pretty cool feature. So I wanted to go ahead and discuss that with you. So currently right now, I am projected with my current portfolio in investments, $55.03 in annual dividend income. If you want to break that down monthly, it's about $4.59. You want to go weekly, it's about $1.06. And if you want to factor it in daily, it's about $0.15 cent a day just by literally holding these businesses that we have. So now that I found this, that I can break it down by yearly, monthly, weekly, daily, I think it's really cool. And I think it's going to keep me motivated to keep doing what I'm doing with this portfolio. So that was really good onto that. So I'm going to keep building off of that. So let's go ahead and talk about some couple of the holdings in my portfolio. Um, the biggest loser for me this month was Ally Financial, ticker symbol A-L-L-Y. They had really bad earnings last month. They missed horribly. And one thing that they missed on, which is the reason why, is Ally depends a lot on mortgage uh, mortgage loans and auto loans, and they did not get the numbers they needed on those metrics. Obviously, interest rates going up has a big effect on that. So that miss, the portfolio, it took a hit through face through Ally on the Ally side of things. Now, I'm still long on the company, and I'm just going to dollar cost average and lower my costs. I'm about negative 12% on that right now, 13% to give or take. So at this price, it's at pretty much at the 52-week low. I'm just going to continue adding to this position as it's a good time to add on. It has, you know, to me, the story has not changed on Ally. And, you know, before I make any type of decision of getting rid of this, I need to like at least like six months to a year on Ally before I really make any decision with that. So we're going to keep it like that. Another one of my big losers, it's kind of the same from last month, is VFC, which is for Vans. Um, right now, I really have not added to the position. I just keep I keep monitoring it. I should add a little bit more to it, but I had there's other positions in the portfolio that I feel like the money would be better put at. So we'll feel it out with VFC. I'm still down about 30% on it, which is the biggest loser in the portfolio. We'll take and feel it. AT&T last month, it's I feel like it's the first time that I can actually give positive news with AT&T. So AT&T beat earnings. Also, if they had really good, they had positive growth with their fiber internet as well as their on their cell phone division, getting new uh, pre, uh, new post off plans. Um, as far as their revenue go, they are up five point six percent for the quarter. That's the highest they've had in the last decade. So, you know, right now this is any good news for AT and T is good and to the point where that position is actually in the green now which you know you know on our last portfolio update it was down heavily so i'm gonna take that as a win we'll see how that goes i left definitely want to see what their plan is obviously reducing the debt and see how they can continue growing that and we'll go from there on that 
Um, two other portfolio uh, pieces in the portfolio I do want to go over. Um, lows, I am actually down 5% in this position, um, which is good because I definitely would like to add to obviously make my, my cost lower on lows. Now, one thing you got to factor in with the business for like Lowe's or Home Depot or anything like that, whenever there's any kind of really high interest rates in homes where there are not that many purchases on homes or people are holding back on home renovations, generally those type of businesses do take a hit. If you look at around 2008 to 2009, after the big um, housing crash of uh, those, they were pretty affected. I believe um, from 2007 to 2008, Home Depot was down like 7% on the year in sales. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, obviously, as we go into 2023, as we are currently in a very high interest rate and definitely some market correction in the housing market. So we'll definitely take a look at that. And then the last one I want to go over is Starbucks. Uh, Starbucks killed earnings this week. And that stock went up, I think yesterday was like up 10%. And I had added the money of the $11, I think on Wednesday. So I got a little bit of a gain there. And so I'm going to take everything I can with that. To me, the most impressive stat about Starbucks's earnings is the fact that they had 18% growth uh, from last quarter for the reward system. For those, you, for those you don't know, who don't go to Starbucks that often, um, you can pre preload money onto the app. So that way you can get points from everything you purchase. So essentially, whenever you put money into this app, you're prepaying ahead of time to Starbucks and you're getting all this cash flow into the business. So let's say, for example, if you put 20 bucks into that today, but you don't spend it until two months later, they're getting this money ahead of time. So it's honestly a genius business move, in my opinion. So that's been really good with Starbucks. I am very long on Starbucks. Um, I really do think that in the future, I'm hoping if this was to ever get to around that back to that 120 to 130 range would be amazing. So we're going to continue monitoring Starbucks and see how that goes for there. Now, obviously, um, I don't have these in the portfolio as individuals, but I do have exposure to them through uh, the QQQ, which is a index fund that tracks uh, technology companies. If you have these individual companies within the last 30 days, it's a pretty tough beating. So Microsoft's down 10%. Apple's down about 5%. Tesla's down 13%. Amazon's down 24%. Meta, Facebook is down 35%. And Google's also down, I believe, about 10 to 12%. They got whooped the last month. Now, the reason why, and I always talk about like how using index funds to minimize risk, this is why I have QQQ in my position. As far as my QQQ position, I'm only down 2%. Now, all these companies that I listed individually make a part of the QQQ, but the way how they divvy up the, the, the weight holding per percentages, obviously I know with tech stocks, it, they're boom or bust. They can skyrocket, but they can free fall. As obviously with these, not Apple didn't really free fall, but everything else had a pretty impactful month. I'm okay just getting keeping it average for that in that sector because it it's very moody and I don't know how much of those swings I can deal with if I had individual companies. So that's why QQQ has been good for that. It is negative. I definitely should uh, dollar cost average and make that cost lower while we have those opportunities. So overall with the portfolio, I'm pretty happy where it's at right now. The only other change I did, and it's not even with the, with the portfolio or the stock wise of it, um, I know originally when I 
did the very first episode, I talked about using M1 Finance to obviously do this portfolio. I love M1 Finance as a platform. It's a great, it's great. But the being able to only buy once a day really just started getting annoying. And I missed out on opportunities where I could have bought some stocks cheaper, but it's okay. Like I said, we're here to learn and figure this out. I ended up changing over to SoFi. Um, it's been a very easy to use platform. Um, and the reason I got SoFi is just so I, if I find an opportunity, I could buy something multiple times a day. I'm, I just got to the point where I needed that more and, you know, I'm not knocking them on finance, but I just needed more flexibility with that. So we did change the platforms on there. Um, if you're curious about trying out SoFi link below uh, my link tree, there's a, there's a sign up right there where if you put in $10, you get $25 worth of stock. So definitely something that we're keep in mind. Overall, let's talk about what I'm expecting for the portfolio, either in dividends and then growth for the month. So for dividends, obviously it's going to be a higher month compared to the month of October. We'll go over that in next month's video. Then December's, once December's dividends come, it, it, it's going to be a record month for dividends. It, it is going to be the highest month I've ever documented. So I'm excited to do that episode down in the future. Also for this month, um, I have a couple really amazing guests that I can't wait to talk with. And then, I'm, of course, we talked about the Q&A episode. If you have any questions you would like to submit to me to go over that episode um, on my link tree below, it's my link to my Twitter, to my Instagram. Um, my email's also on the link below. Definitely submit in. I've already gotten a couple submissions and I can't wait to go over that episode because I've gotten some really good questions so far. So we have midterms coming up this next week. I'm going to give you some data here. So that way maybe you can, if you look at the data and then you can maybe guess to see how the month of November is going to be for either my portfolio or your portfolio if you have yours. So generally leading up to the midterms, the stock market doesn't do very good. But let's look at the 12 month after the midterm. And since 1960, on average, uh, the market has returned 16%. The last time after a midterm that the market was negative would have been after 1939, which obviously it was during the tailwinds of the Great Depression and heading into World War II. So that's definitely something to keep in mind in there. Obviously, a big concern right now, obviously, still, we, we are still in a high inflationary rate. So I went ahead and I pulled some data from the 70s. So all the midterms right after the 70s where inflation was kind of going up, which led up, up to 1980, and 1980 was at a 14% inflation rate. So if we look at the 12 month after 1970, market brought in about 13% after a 12 month period after midterms. In 1974, it brought about 20.5%. And then in 1978 would have been the lower out of these three options at a 9.3%. So if we look at the data, we might be heading for some more green. So we'll see how that goes. Obviously, I'm not Madam Cleo. I don't have a crystal ball. Nobody does. We're just going to take it day by day and see how that goes. Other than that, guys, as always, I appreciate every single time you listen in, you write to me, and I thank you so much for inviting me into your computer, your tablet, your iPhone, your headphones. You have no idea how much it means like you get to get to be a part of this journey and I get to connect with you all. As always, guys, thank you so much. And as we always say towards the ending of our episode, it doesn't matter if we're paying off debt, 
saving for the future or investing in our future selves, we are going to reach our goal one penny at a time. I'll see you in the next one.